Thanks for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Happy New Year! Today we have Pastor Daniel Vanderklok teaching us about being doorkeepers. We're in charge of what and who we let into our lives. These things can either be blessings or curses. Let's see what Daniel has to say. This morning, we are going to talk about being doorkeepers. Um, there is a reason that there was a random door that appeared behind me. Um, we're going to use that a little bit this morning. Because in our life, uh, there are so many things that desire access to your life. Um, you are the doorkeeper of your life. I am the doorkeeper of my life. And there are, are all sorts of things from commercials on TV to ads that follow you across the internet, multi-level marketing people who pretend that they like you and they're like, hey, let's get together. You're like, well, that'd be great. And they get together like, I want to sell you things. You're like, what? Um, but we have to, to watch and navigate the doors in our life. Um, this box is from a ring that um, we got at home. If you're not familiar with ring, it is one of many systems that allows you to have a video doorbell. So when someone shows up at my house, I can see who's at the door before I go to the door, even if I'm not home, which is both cool and creepy. But um, it, it goes off. My phone like vibrates. I'm at like here. You bust out your phone. You're like, oh, look, my kids are playing on the porch. Like it's kind of cool, but it, it is kind of weird. But um, I, I appreciate it. And the concept behind this is that if you knew who was at your door before you got there, it might change how you responded. Um, you might respond by hitting the little button and being like, hey, come on in. You might respond by uh, bolting the door. I mean, like, it just depends who's there. And it's this really cool idea that if I know who is at the door, that should affect how I respond to it. Um, and with this, there's an app that goes with it, which is, Great, and, and it actually, when you put it, uh, there's an app, and when you use it, um, it asks you like, hey, where's your house at? And it like links up with all of the others in the area or says, this is your community. And so if somebody else is in the neighborhood and they report an issue and they go, hey, someone tried to break into our house, here's their picture. It like sends it to all, like it sends it to us. Or it says, you know, hey, someone's trying to break into cars or checking cars, doors, a mile and a half from you. Like, oh, I'm going to double check, make sure mine are locked. Like that actually happened um, a little while ago. I got a notification that two miles away, someone was going through the neighborhood, checking all of the doors, seeing if anyone left their car unlocked. And so I got that notification. I was like, you know, I'm going to again double check to make sure all of our doors are locked. Because if I know who's out there, if I know who's coming, it should affect the response that I have. Well, this is true spiritually as well. John 10, 10 says, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So both God and the devil both want access to your life. But we are the doorkeepers of our life. In fact, that's, that's kind of where we're going today is we're, we're looking at it going, all right, if we're the doorkeeper, what does that look like? 
Who's on the other side? How do I open it? How do I close it? And why? Uh, and we're going to kind of look at that this morning. Um, but as we do, uh, I have asked Justin to give me a hand. So Justin is, is, is going to come out because the Bible tells us that we have an enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Uh, for those of you guys who, who can't see, uh, Justin is making his way over here. Um, and if you're wondering what he's carrying, okay, I didn't want to trigger anybody who's dealing with PTSD. So he has my Nerf gun. Um, I say my Nerf gun. Actually, that's Benaiah's Nerf gun that he's got there. Uh, but uh, I wanted you to catch, if, if, uh, if you've served and you're dealing with PTSD, thank you for serving. We so appreciate your service and we love you. Thank you. Um, if you're not struggling, picture him as scary as possible and put the worst vicious gun possible in his hands. But how do you respond when this guy shows up at your, at your door and knocks? Who's there? The enemy. What do you want? To kill, steal, and destroy. Why would I let you in? That's a great question. <laughs> you know, if someone comes up to my door with uh, tactical gear and a assault rifle, you know, I'm probably not going to open the door. Especially if they announce their intentions. That they're here to kill, steal, and destroy. In fact, I'm probably going to Call 911, get out a gun, hide my family, position myself in the living room behind something with the gun pointed at the door in case they make it through anyways. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's what everyone would do. But my, my point is, if I see this on the other side, I am not letting him in. In fact, I am not going to let you in, Justin. So goodbye. <laughs> and thank you. Uh, But sadly, the devil doesn't normally show up in tactical gear announcing his intentions to kill, steal, and destroy. He normally doesn't show up in a red suit with a tail and a pitchfork. Most of us are bright enough that if someone was to show up like that, we wouldn't open the door. But the devil shows up more deadly than the man with tactical gear but he shows up more like a mosquito. I don't know if you realize, okay, so mosquitoes were not bad this year, at least not at my house, until a week ago. And then all of a sudden, it was like someone just rained down mosquitoes everywhere. And you're like, you've been playing outside just fine. Now you go outside, you like walk like 10 feet, you walk back in and you've got five mosquito bites. You're like, what just happened? But here's the thing about mosquitoes. You show up at the door, you open it, you don't see anything. You close it, and they have entered your house. You're like, this is supposed to be my place of safety, but no, they have come. Man, and then you got kids, you try to get them to close the door quickly, and they don't quite understand. And this morning, I was trying to take care of my morning business, and a mosquito attacked me. I'm like, what are you doing? This is secluded. This is supposed to be a safe place. That's what the enemy's like. If you leave this door open, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but he will sneak in. You may not see him come, but if you leave the door open, he will come. 
And he has a purpose. See, the Bible tells us that there are things that we can do in our life that open the door for the devil. It says that I'm supposed to be the doorkeeper, but it says things, and some of them won't shock you. Like if I was to tell you that practicing witchcraft, sacrificing things to the devil, trying to cast spells will open a door to the devil, I don't think any of you would be like, what? You're like, that, that, that kind of makes sense. But Ephesians chapter four, verse 26 says, be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. It says, when you hold on to unforgiveness, you just left the door open. He just announced his intentions. He's here to kill, steal, and destroy. And you go, well, you don't understand what they did to me. Doors open. Yeah, but they did me wrong. I believe you. The door's open. And you have an enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And I begin to look at this going, okay, well, well I, don't, I don't want to let him in. Let's shut it. Let's bolt it. But then I thought, okay, so the Bible lays out really clearly that, the, that there are things that we can do that open up a door for the devil. But John 10.10 10 told us that God has a plan for us too. So Yago is going to help me out. See, the devil isn't the only one who wants access to your life. Yago is going to help me out. Apparently he was a ways back there. Hello. Hello. Who's at the door? It's Yago, and I'm a messenger from God. That's nice. Uh, what do you want? I want you to open the door. Why would I do that? Because I have a gift that's specific for you. I'll just leave it at the door. No, no. This is the kind of gift that you're going to need to open the door for. I will, eventually. Just, you just, open, just leave it right there, and I'll get to it when it's convenient. No, see, you don't understand. Uh, these kind of gifts need to be personally made, and you need to open this door if you want this gift. We can't just leave it here. It has too much value. But my favorite show is on right now. Can't I just come out and collect it afterwards? Well, now you have a decision to make. What's more important, a gift from God or your favorite TV show? Well, what gift is it? Something that's going to save your soul. I think you might just have to open it up on faith. Here you go. God bless. Thank you. All right. Well, I'll, I'll take this. Uh, if you can't see, this is a million-dollar check. Um, I think all of us would take this. Um, I think this is better than what's on TV. Now, in fairness, 
I am not saying that God is going to give you all a million dollar check. If he does, you can share. But this is, this is the point. Things that are valuable have to be received. Now, if you order fidget toys off of Amazon, they will throw them on your porch. Hopefully it makes it to the porch. But like, I told you, I got that ring doorbell. One of the first things I caught was an Amazon person chucking a package onto my porch. I'm like, hey, luckily it was made of cotton and so it didn't break. But I was like, what are you doing? But you order like a MacBook Pro. Someone just tell me they, their son ordered a, a MacBook. They didn't throw that on the porch. They waited for someone to come to the door and to receive it because of its great value. See, what God has for you, God has good things. It may not be a million dollar check, but you know what I know he does have for you? It's forgiveness. In fact, he's got forgiveness that was paid for by his blood as he went to the cross to die for our sins that he wants to give to you. He's got freedom for you. Freedom from anxiety, depression, fear, addiction. Freedom has been purchased for you. He's got healing that was purchased for you that he wants to get you. But for so many of us, God has these amazing things. But the door's closed. And God goes, I have something I want for you. And we go, yeah, 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 great. Leave it at the door. And God goes, I want to give you something. And I, I begin to look at this and go, okay, why would we leave the door closed when God's trying to deliver something to us? What is it? How is it that I open the door? And I realize that there's a myth that is stopping most of us from managing that door. There is this myth um, that, that floats around often in theological circles that stops us and gives us a passive role instead of an active role as a doorkeeper. See, here's the myth. The myth is that everything that happens is God's plan. See, not everything that happens is God's will and not everything that's God's will happens. Uh, and we're gonna park here for just a minute because you have to understand that to make it any further in what I want to cover this morning. See, the Bible tells us Submit yourselves to God, therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil. This is active. This is an active role in closing the door on the enemy and opening the door for, to God. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking, whom, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith. There is this active role. Every time I disobey God, I see something different than what God wanted. That's pretty simple. But so many people don't get it. See, there's this misunderstanding and it's based off of Romans chapter eight, verse 28. In Romans eight, verse 28, the Bible says that God works all things together for good for those who are, um, for good for those who love God. Okay, 
He works all things together for good. Not he causes all things for a great plan that you don't understand. But a lot of times that's where people miss this. And see, when Calvary is a great example where he goes through and goes, the enemy thought that he won and the devil, God turns the whole thing around. God goes, if you'll give me your situation, I can take what's broken. I can take what's an attack of the enemy and I can turn it around. The devil thought that he won in the very, in the very thing that was his defeat. God rose from the dead declaring victory. You can look at uh, Acts chapter 7. They, they pers persecution starts. They martyr uh, Stephen. Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it says a great persecution arose. And after this persecution arises, you see all of the Christians, except for the apostles, start to disperse and run from the persecution. Verse 4, everywhere that they went, they preached the gospel. Satan's like, I got the church. I'm going to squash it. I'm going to squish it. I'll persecute them until they are no more. And God goes, watch this. You thought you got me. All you did was spread it. Now it's no longer in Jerusalem. It's everywhere. And God wants to turn things around. But so often, we, when we don't understand this, we take this passive role instead of an active role in managing this door. Um, uh, I'm sure that all of you have had something bad. Anyone ever had anything bad happen in life? Anyone? The rest of you, if you keep breathing, it will probably occur. Uh, if it doesn't, good. But uh, this is just one of the things. A lot of times, in response to that bad thing, someone will say this to you. Maybe you've said this. Um, every time I hear this, I cringe. And if you said this, you're not alone. This is a really common response. Are you ready? Something horrible happens and people turn and go, well, God is in control. Well, what that implies is that this was God's plan for some reason that you don't understand. And that is uh, both hurtful and in my opinion, exceedingly offensive to accuse God of these things. But religion has done it so, so much. But let me show you something. Um, that isn't the case. See, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 23 to 26, it says, um, each one of you, uh, actually, hold that verse. We'll come back to that verse. Let's talk about a board game first. Because the other half of this, and this, this verse is going to explain both of these. Uh, people will sit here and go, well, God is in control. And then others will go, well, God's all powerful. Therefore, if God is all powerful, that must mean that everything that happens is God's plan. Because if things happen that God didn't want, wouldn't that mean that he's not all powerful? It's a good question. It's a fair question. Um, and I will put the question to rest with a board game. You can actually pick any board game and this will kind of translate, but I'm going to use Ticket to Ride as an example. Um, and if you're like, what is Ticket to Ride? It's a game where you try to lay little plastic trains on the thing per the cards that you get and lay the most trains. Really simple. 
Lots of fun. I, when we start playing this game, I physically have the power to move the trains. I physically have the power to quick lay out my trains and to knock my kids' trains off of the, the board. And when they try to stop me, I'm bigger than them. I can force, forcefully move them and knock the trains out so I have the most trains. But then that's not how you play the game. Now, when the game is over, I have the power to pick up the trains and put them back in their little bag. I can take all my kids' trains off of the thing. I have the power. God has told us that yes, he has the power. But when he comes to set all things right, when he comes to move the pieces, the game is over. And he tells us that he's not not doing anything because he doesn't care. In fact, he goes in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, it says that God is not slow in keeping his promises, but that he doesn't want anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. He says, the reason I haven't moved all the pieces yet is when I move the pieces, the game is over. And there's still people that I love who haven't repented yet. There's still people whose doors haven't been opened yet. And I'm standing there knocking and saying, will you open the door because I love you because I have things for you and I am still waiting for you. And that's the reason I haven't moved all the pieces. See, when I look in that verse we were about to get to, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, um, when, when Christ comes at his coming, then verse 24, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to his father, when he puts an end to all rule and authority and power, going everything that's from the devil, he is going to put an end to it. For he must reign till he's put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. He goes, all of these things will be put away. But the game's not over yet. But people's opportunity to repent hasn't closed yet. And if I end the game, then there's someone who's going to go to hell that I want to go to heaven. There's somebody who needs my forgiveness. There's somebody who needs what I've already offered them. And I am waiting because I love them. But we sit here and go, well, but, and when we, we get confused and we go, but isn't everything that happens God's will? No. Mark, um, actually, we'll just go with this one. First Peter, not first Peter. First Timothy chapter two, verse four says that God doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants all to be saved. Is everybody saved? No, Jesus said not. He said to enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it. So Jesus said, this is what I want, yet this happened. Just because it happened doesn't mean it's God's will. So I, I, I look at this. If not everything that's God's will happens and not everything that happens is God's will, then my job with this door is really important. And I have to take an active role in managing this door because I want what God has for me. And in fact, Ephesians chapter one, verse three says, uh, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us 
with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Most Christians are living far below what God has for them. Going, okay, well, if that's the case, how do I open the door? I started writing this message and I started like just listing different ways that you can open this door. And I realized that there was no way I was going to cover that in 30 minutes. So I want, you first had to understand the importance of the door, the importance of our role guarding the door and choosing what we open it to. Now, I want to look at the most important, possibly the most obvious yet overlooked way to manage this door. The way to open the door to what God has for you. And maybe we'll get into the second one as well. But number one, are you ready for the number one way to see God's will done in your life, to open up the door to what God has for you. You ready? This is deep and obvious all at the same time. Do what he says. I know that that's just mind blowing, but like, I don't know. When I say it, it sounds like so obvious. It's somewhat silly and stupid. However, as humanity, this is an area that we struggle. We have a tendency to say, well, I want God's result. I just want it my way. And, and we go through this and we go, I, I want, I want this, this marriage that's amazing, that's full of life, where my, my wife looks up to me and respects me, where our home is filled with, with love and where we're cherished and there's always words of encouragement and people are built up and where we want to be together. But can I do that a selfish route? Can I do that? And, and we, we go through this and so often, and we do it in marriage, we do it in relationships, we do it in finances, we do it in work, we do this in business all the time where we go, God, I want your results. I just want to get it my way. I remember uh, a guy came into church and asked to talk to a pastor, asked for prayer. And I sat down with him. I'm like, all right, how do I pray with you? And he's like, my life is a living hell. This thing is horrible. What? That, that's kind of broad. Um, like, what's going on? How, do I, how can I pray for you? I think, man, it's like my marriage is so bad. It is like a war zone in my house. I come in and my wife's like throwing frying pans at me and I'm like, wow, that, that, that's pretty intense. Why is she throwing frying pans at you? Well, because I cheated on her a few times. Makes sense why she's throwing frying pans at you. And as I'm talking to this, this guy, uh, like, have, have you ever made Jesus the Lord of your life? Have you given your life to Jesus? And he's like, no, he would take away all my fun. You mean that living hell that you were talking about? And he's like, yeah, but like, I wouldn't be able to. And he starts listing all of these sins that he wanted to continue to commit. And I'm like, but you're telling me that you want God's results and you want this blessed and happy home and you want all this, but you're saying that you're stuck over here and just realizing that he was trying to get this by going this way and that doesn't work. He's trying to open up the door to the devil and get God's results. And that doesn't work. And see, there is this, this principle as we, as we look at this door that amazed me. And uh, we're going to look at the story of Balaam as we kind of unpack this. Um, I don't know how many of you guys have heard the story of Balaam. It's probably not the most common story. And the part that some of you guys have heard is the part we're going to skip. Um, so if you, you don't know the story, that's okay. If you 
want to read it later, Numbers chapter 22, and you can go read it and find out where they got the inspiration for Shrek. But um, we're going to cover the parts of the story that you're probably less familiar with. The children of Israel have just left Egypt. When they left Egypt, it was not a, um, a peaceful leaving. Um, Pharaoh didn't want to let them go. And he's like, I don't know who God is. I don't care who God is. Why should I listen to him? And he challenges God. It does not go well. The 10 plagues then occur. He decides then he's going to let the people go. They go out. He changes his mind. This is the really like short version, but it's all that you need to know for my point. But so they come up to the Red Sea and he decides I'm going to chase them, comes out with his army. God tells Moses, well, hey, raise up your staff. The sea splits in two. The children of Israel walk across on dry ground which is crazy. And then Pharaoh's like, well, there's a new land bridge. Let's cross it. Let's chase them. And he chases them into the Red Sea. And he gets, as he gets into the Red Sea, the Israelites finish crossing and God's like, all right, lower it, like close it. And so he, he does, he does. And God closes the water over the sea, of the, over the, of the Red Sea, over the Egyptian army and destroys them. Now, the, the nations where the Israelites are headed are hearing this. And the Bible says that they are terrified and they're freaking out. So one of those had a king named Balak. Balak goes, okay, these guys, and this isn't like a small group. This is about 2 million people. So this is a massive group. And Balak goes, I cannot defeat them. And they have a God who actually does things because all these people are worshiping different gods. They're like sacrificing to different things or have little statues that they worship. But he's like, their God just split a sea. Their, their God just like, Egypt couldn't handle, resist their God. What am I gonna do? So he gets this idea. There's this prophet, this guy named Balaam and who Balaam blesses is blessed. So he's like, and who he curses is cursed. So he's like, I'll hire Balaam to curse the Israelites. This is his great plan. And so he sends some people to him and he goes, hey, I want to hire you to come curse this people. Balaam goes and prays and God says, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. And so Balaam's men, uh, Balaam, Balaam sends Balak's man. I get those names. Like, it's like confusing when you're trying to bounce back and forth. But Balaam sends Balak's men back Balak sends his men back again with more money and more stuff. And he goes, can't I bless you? Can't I make you rich? Come curse this people. And the next few events are crazy. You can read about it. Skip forward. Eventually he shows up by the Israelites and Balak says, all right, come on top of this hill, see the people and curse them. So he gets up there. He says, I can only say what God tells me to say. And he blesses them. This is uh, verse 11. Okay, Balak was not very happy, but he's like, well, maybe if we go to a different spot where you get a different view, then you can curse them. So they go to a different spot and he sacrifices, does a bunch of uh, sacrificing and then he goes up and he goes, well, and he speaks the blessing over them. And then a third time he blesses them. And it says in verse Numbers 24, it says, then Balak's anger was aroused against Balaam and he struck his hands together. And Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies and look, you have bountifully blessed them these three times. 
And it goes on and Balaam says, you know, hey, I could not curse what God has blessed. And for a long time, I thought that's where the story ended. But it's not. In Revelation, it reflects back on what happened next. Balaam apparently wanted the, the rewards that Balak had for him. And in, in Revelation 2.14, it says, I have, this against, uh, I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat the food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality. Here's what happened. He goes, I can't curse what God has blessed, but they can. He goes, if you can get them to walk away from God, they will be cursed. He goes, so what you need to do is send some of your women down there to entice them and to lead them away and to cause them to sacrifice to, to idols and to commit sexual immorality. He goes, that's how you curse them. The devil's tactics haven't changed. He goes, I can, the devil cannot stop God's will in your life. But you can. He cannot curse me because God has blessed me. But I can. And he goes, if Satan is trying, going, if I can get you to step out, if I can get you to open the door, if I can get you to walk out from God's protection, I can get you to destroy yourself. I can get you to open up the door for the enemy. Satan's going, can he, can he get you to curse your own future? I can't tell you how many times I have had somebody have something go wrong in their life and they say something like this. Well, that's just my luck. That's just the story of my life. Is that a blessing or a curse? Satan didn't need to curse them. They did it for him. They begin to speak out. They begin to speak things into existence. They go through and they say things and like, all right, how many of you guys have kids? Anyone have kids? <clears throat> kids are different at different stages, but this is, this is something that is kind of more universal. Children will give you an opportunity to choose your words carefully. What words do you choose? Do you speak death over their future? Do you open up the door for the devil and say, oh, you know what? You are such a pain. You never listen. You're not going anywhere in life except for maybe jail. Is that the open door that you've spoke? Because the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Proverbs 18, 21. Or are you sitting here going, you know what? Did you know that God gave you a strong will on purpose? Did you know that that strong will so that you can stand when nobody else does? It's because God's got a purpose for you and he wants to use you. He has called you, he has chosen you and he is going to use you. You are gonna know God. You're gonna know his love. His grace is gonna be on display in your life. His power is gonna work in you and through you and you are gonna be his instrument to reach the world. What door? are you opening? Because in your life, you're the doorkeeper. In my life, I'm the doorkeeper. And I get to decide who I open it to and who I don't. You get to decide who you open it to 
and who you don't. And we get to examine and go, in my life, what doors am I opening? Because the shortest route to God's will is obedience. But as I look, Revelation chapter three, verse five. It says that, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I will come in and dine with him and him with me. God's got a plan for you. Is the door open? God wants to bring freedom. God wants to restore your marriage. God wants to bring healing. God wants to break that addiction. God wants to see some things change in your life. Is the door open? See, I want to thank you for being on the program with me. Do you know the Bible says that we should know that we have everlasting life? Many people simply assume, well, I know about God and I'm right with God. And I hope when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. But the Bible says, know that you have. You need to know you're forgiven. Know you're right with God. You say, how can I do that? Because God can't lie. He said, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you're away from God today or you don't know where you stand with God, you say, I want to be right with God today. I want to pray this prayer with you. I want to call on the name of the Lord the way the Bible tells us to. And the Bible says, will be saved. So I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer from your heart out loud. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. He is my king. Jesus is my Lord. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. I'm forgiven. I'm right with God. I'm on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, God heard that prayer if you prayed that prayer from your heart, and you are right with God. Now, I wrote a book to help you keep on growing spiritually. I want to send it to you free of charge. Now, there's information on your screen. You can download that book free of charge, or you contact us, and we will give it to you free of charge. We want to be a blessing to you. Thank you for being with us. God bless you. We love you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Duane, you are making one of the best decisions of your life, and we're so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly, or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Walking by Faith is used on and off the air to change lives all around the world. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider becoming a partner with us. You can now text WBFGIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Visit walkingbyfaith.tv give or click on the giving icon in our app. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and on your favorite social platform by searching WBFTV. Also, check out our app in your favorite app store. You can download past sermons, follow along with notes, speak confessions over your life, and so much more. I pray you have an amazing week, and we'll see you next time.